Welcome to the Happiness Dude Weekly Podcast, where we help you achieve more and be happier doing it. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Leonard, and I'm excited to share with you some of the amazing stories and people, like yourself, that have found the secret to finding happiness in an ever-changing world. We will share real stories about real people. Let's be inspired as we seek greater happiness in our work and personal lives. In this episode of the Happiness Dude podcast, I had the amazing opportunity to interview Brandon Judd, who is a wakeboarding coach. What a unique field and what a unique perspective that he offers. He gives us some secrets and insights about passion and how it is the integrity that is fueled by emotion. He also talked about the fear and how it protects us from vulnerabilities and gave us some clues and insights on how we can move past our fear and vulnerabilities. What an exciting podcast, and I hope you enjoy it just as much as I do. Well, hello, Brandon Judd. I am so excited to have you on the Happiness Dude podcast today. Um, You and I have a little bit of a history, and it's a lot of fun because we have done some fun things together. Uh, we've, We've even talked about doing a road trip across the country, and I still lament that we didn't actually do that because I think that would have been a tremendous amount of fun. Um, For those of you that are listening, Brandon Judd is a professional wakeboard instructor. Now, why would I have a professional wakeboard instructor on the Happiness Dude podcast where we talk about um, how to achieve more and be happier doing it? Well, I think you'll find that the stories, the lessons, the coaching, and the excitement that Brandon brings to life plays into every business and plays into every opportunity in improving oneself. And I'm just excited to have you here. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, I've been battling a cold, so I apologize for my, uh, my audio might be, you know, a little sniffly here, but, uh, you know, the show must go on. So, uh, but I really appreciate you bringing me on, uh, I, I love doing stuff like this. I think it's really fun to, to kind of get into the meat of, of what makes people who they are. So I, I really applaud you for doing this and look forward to it. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. So tell us, tell us a little bit about who is Brandon Judd. Sure. Um, so I have just been in love with wakeboarding ever since I was a kid. Uh, I, uh, I walked into a pro shop, uh, and didn't really know what wakeboarding was. And my family bought a boat and I saw a, uh, a little instructional DVD playing, uh, in, you know, on one of the TVs they had in there. And I just, my eyes just glued to it and I couldn't stop watching it. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I feel like something stirred in my blood that day and it just ignited this passion for wakeboarding that has never died in me. Um, and from that point on, it was just something I really wanted to pursue. I wanted to be good at doing it. I wanted to be involved and I wanted to, I just thought it was so cool. I wanted to be associated with it in every way. So, um, it was, it was really fun and, you know, fast forward many years down the road and, and, uh, you know, it's, I've had over 10 years in the industry and been, uh, uh, an editor at wakeboarding magazine and, uh, been a coach at the wakeboard camp and learnwake.com and started coaching on my own and, you know, done photo shoots and video shoots and, and just really been able to rub shoulders with some of my heroes and, and, uh, all the things that, you know, the 15 year old me thought was, you know, 
I've made it in life if I could achieve that. <laughs> so, uh, it, that's been a, a really, really fun journey. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's been kind of an interesting one. One that's, that's definitely shaped me in a lot of ways and, and made some of the best friends and relationships that, you know, I could ask for out of it. So it's been, it's been really cool. And, and now I'm, I'm kind of pursuing a, a different path and a different way to, um, a different way to kind of shape who I'm going to be in the future, uh, as a leader and consultant in, in that world. So it, I'm currently undergoing a lot of those pivots and changes. So, uh, but I'm definitely optimistic for the future to see how that's going to shape up and, and where it'll take me. You, you know, I, I just had this thought that, you know, at 15, 16 years old, you walk into a wakeboarding shop and you, and you talk to the guys and, and you see how cool they are and you, and you have this, ah, oh, you know, I want to be like them. And there's going to be a 15, 16 year old that is going to meet you and be, oh, if I could only be like him. So it's kind of funny how this circle of life happens that we have this circle of, of aspirations of what can we do to become like something or to fulfill our dreams. And then eventually we get there and we don't recognize the impact that we have on others. And it's just kind of cool to think about that um, for a moment, that, that there's kids looking through magazines that, that'll see your shots or they will see or read about you or they're going to be on a lake somewhere and watch you and go, oh, what would it be like to, to be like them? What, did, did you ever have those moments in your life where you think, if, if only I could be as good as someone. Yes, absolutely. So I'm really glad you asked that Mark. Uh, I had been, you know, there's the naysayers in your life, right. That say, you know, Oh, well you didn't start young enough. You can't do it. You're, you're, you're too tall. Everyone who does this is short or you don't have enough money. People, you know, it's expensive to do this, whatever you can't, you can't, there's so many naysayers that you run into. And, uh, and I, there was a lot of times that I would believe that. Um, and then I would tell myself, I'd become my own naysayer and I would tell myself, Oh, well, I can't do that. And, um, I, I'm not talented enough. I don't have enough, blah, 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 whatever it was. But regardless, the, the part of that I thought was really interesting is, um, as I went through this journey, I realized that those were all lies. Um, not one of those was true. And, and not only was it not true, it wasn't useful. Um, so one thing that I learned by watching other, uh, you know, young kids uh, come up in the sport, become a big name pro rider and accomplish everything. And as well as myself trying to work on learning tricks that, you know, I, I aspired to do and, and wanted to do things a certain way and become a certain person and all that. Um, I learned this big lesson that it all comes down to persistence, every single bit of it. So that's, and that's something I, I think that, you know, your listeners would benefit from is talking about that a little bit because uh, I'm just blown away at how often we tell ourselves lies that stop ourselves from reaching our full potential. And it almost always is about time. Uh, we don't give ourselves enough time to realize our dreams. So, uh, and the, someone's worth and someone's value has absolutely nothing to do, uh, with their accomplishments. Those are separate things. Um, and, uh, and when someone has, 
uh, a passion for something. And I like to define passion as integrity fueled by emotion. Um, because you can take your passion with you to anything that you do. You know, I may be passionate about wakeboarding, but, um, there may be another thing, you know, coaching, for example, which I didn't think was going to come out of this. I just wanted to be a pro wakeboarder, uh, you know, back when I got the bug. So, um, but I've taken that passion with me to coaching and I found that I just love that. And I can take my passion with me to a company. I can take that passion with me to my family. I can take that passion anywhere. And I feel like passion can be defined as integrity that is fueled by emotion. And that that's really keeping your passion with you is going to keep you doing it and put the time in. So, you know how they say like, you know, 10,000 hours make you an expert. Um, well, if someone's an expert in something, I don't look at that person and say, oh, I can never become like them. They're so talented. They're so much better than I am. Um, I, I, I don't put myself down in that way um, because of my past experiences because I've seen this work. Really, the only missing ingredient is do I have the time to put into it to get as good as they are? And can I bring my passion with me to keep me on task for that amount of time? if that makes sense. So uh, if, if we have passion for a little bit of it and then we lose the passion and then forget about it, um, then we've just compromised our integrity because we've committed to ourselves that we were going to do something. And uh, if that integrity is followed by emotion, then people describe that as passion. So basically I see it as uh, – Success can be defined by what we focus our time and our passion on. Um, so I'll, I'll give you an example of of that uh, in my life. So in the in the the pro shop kid, right, that I wanted to become because I saw that that video of a wakeboarder in that shop, and I was like, this is my way to be associated with wakeboarding. This is the coolest place ever. I want to get a job here. So I wanted to get a job at that pro shop really bad. And their policy was they don't hire anyone under 18. So they said, yeah, sorry, bud, put an application in. We'll wait till you're 18, whatever. I think I was 16 or 17 at the time. And uh, I, I was not okay with that. <laughs> um, I wanted to work there. So what I did was I said, all right, look, I'm going to show up and I'm going to keep working for you for free until you hire me. That way no one else can compete with me. And when the time comes, you're going to hire me. So I did that for three days. I worked for free for three days. And at the end of it, uh, they had like a, a boat show event and I just showed up at the boat show. I paid to be there. So I had to pay for my entry ticket to work the boat show with them. And I, I worked the show for three full days. I helped them break, you know, break down, set up, sell. I was selling product, whatever, <laughs> with no training. Um, and uh, at the end of it, they were like, yeah, you have a job. Uh, we're going to bypass that rule. Uh, we're willing to, you know, take the risk on you. So um, that was really cool. And that taught me that persistence, you know, putting the time in, taking my passion with me, putting the time in eventually would yield success. Uh, I just didn't know how long the time factor would be and it ended up for me being three days plus, you know, 30 bucks or whatever it costs for a 10 day entry fee each day. Um, so I got that. I got my job. It was super cool. But the frustrating part was I didn't have access to a boat. So I couldn't, I couldn't wakeboard. My family had sold their boat. Um, and uh, I needed to find a way to wakeboard. So how was I going to be able to do this? So I took my passion and I just started putting time into it. And I talked to everyone I could talk to. 
Uh, and eventually I just went down to the dock. Uh, I brought 10 bucks with me, uh, just, you know, $10 bill. I brought my wakeboard and my rope and I showed up at the dock and I would look, I would find the boat that I thought had, you know, the best wakeboarders in it with the best wakes and whatnot. And, uh, I would go up to the boat and I would say, you know, Hey, do you guys have uh, extra room for another rider? I'll, I'll pay my own fuel. You know, I got 10 bucks for gas. Just give me a pull real quick. And I was never turned down. Everyone right away, first boat I ever attempted, they would always say, yeah, hop on. And I would ride and I'd have a blast with them. And at the end of it, I would try to pay them. And they would say, no, don't worry about it. You were fun. It was entertaining. It was great. You know, I'd, I'd insist, no, really, I, I want to pay you. And they say, no, seriously, don't worry about it. I'd get off the boat. I'd take the same $10 and I'd turn around and find the next boat. And I could just ride all summer on the same $10. I don't think anyone ever took my money that entire summer. Um, and I just recycled the same 10 bucks. Um, but I got to learn a ton. I got to ride with a ton of people and make a ton of friends and network the heck out of it. And, uh, man, it was, it was just a blast. You know, I look back on those times with just ultimate fondness. And, and at the time, I never thought there was anything really special about that. I just thought, you know, I'm so passionate about this thing. I just want to do it. And this is the normal path I would take. Right. Um, and I just never really thought it was anything special. And then now down the road, as I'm looking back at it, you know, I think to myself, that's kind of a weird thing for a 16 year old kid to do a 17 year old kid to do. It's just to show up on the dock with $10. You don't see people doing that. So, um, it, it, it taught me something in, in retrospect, you know, about that, persistence algorithm of time plus passion focused on a goal. And, and I, my goal was to become influential in the wakeboarding industry. And, uh, and it, that was realized. Unfortunately, I didn't really tie monetary gain into that goal, <laughs> but you know, I was a kid, uh, and, uh, those goals were achieved. Now I'm, now I'm kind of shifting that focus to include that as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, man, it, such a blast those times and and it really made me happy being able to focus on my passion and it made me not not impatient because i understood the time factor and i didn't know how much it would time it would take but i knew i just had to keep fueling my integrity with emotion and and calling that passion uh in a very focused way and and over time yeah i mean even the even the biggest dunce given enough time could, you know, become successful at something that they put their mind to. So never believe that lie. Never give in to that lie that you tell yourself or that you hear from other people that you can't do it. The question is, are you willing to put in the time and fuel it with your passion? Uh, and if the answer is yes, then go for it. And if the answer is no, it's not worth putting the time in and it's not worth putting the energy into the passion of it, then you don't have to tell yourself you're bad or less than someone else. You just didn't have the time. You, you just, it wasn't something you wanted. So now that it's now, when you look at it that way and you realize it's something that you don't want anymore, you know, kind of the sour grapes sort of analogy, it, 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 it allowed, you're giving yourself permission to be happy with not being as good as someone else, you know, cause you know what it takes and it's just not worth it. So, um, Anyway, I, I just think there's something there, you know. Oh, oh, I completely agree there's something there. And, and other th things that I heard that you didn't say was innovation. I mean, you, 
man, at 16, 17 years old, you had the gumption to just go, no, I'm going to work here. This is where I want to go. And part of that passion, uh, part of that fuel, that integrity that was fueled by your emotions was, I need to be innovative. I need to just keep trying. And even when they told me no, the answer was not no, it was no, not yet. And you went and you proved yourself. And then they didn't have a choice because you created value. And then and then to, to go down to the dock, I... I I can't imagine what you would have felt that first time as you waved $10 and you're just raising it up above your head and saying, hey, can I catch a ride? And how how people were just like, yeah, sure. It's amazing what happens when we allow ourselves to be innovative, when we allow ourselves to ask, when we allow ourselves to just go for something. And even when we get a no, to get back up and try it again. I think that's just absolutely a stunning analogy of life that that as long as we don't give up as long as we have that persistence the only thing that that will keep us from being successful is the very moment we stop getting up after getting pushed back down that's the only time failure happens is when you stop yeah yeah i definitely agree with that mark thank you for saying that. Um, and that, and that kind of brings me into my next point that I wanted to, to talk to your listeners about a little bit was, uh, coachability. Uh, so I, as a coach, um, you know, I, I, there are certain qualities that I really like in a student. Um, and I try to emulate those qualities in myself. And like you said, allowing yourself to be put out there to be vulnerable is one thing that it makes you very coachable. So, um, life can be a great teacher. Uh, failure can be a great teacher, um, you know, as well as an actual formal instructor or coach or teacher or, you know, someone like yourself, Mark, when you're, uh, when you're teaching someone through a workshop or, or what have you, uh, if you're getting formal training or if it's life that's teaching you or failure that's teaching you or your, your own past experiences that are teaching you, one thing that is going to be incredibly valuable to each person and uh, to yourself is to not let fear get in the way um, because fear is a mechanism that our bodies use to protect ourselves from vulnerability. So we don't like to be vulnerable. It's a survival mechanism. Our brain is wired to protect ourselves when we are at risk, when we are vulnerable. And allowing yourself to do that, you know, for me showing up at the, at the dock with $10 in my hand, I have the risk of, you know, failure. I have risk of, you know, not being able to do that or not, whatever it is. There's so many risks I could make up and come up with. But um, the, the vulnerability and the ability to be vulnerable is, is incredibly important. So here's how I do it as a coach when I, when I teach my students because I have to, I have to get them in an environment to learn uh, where they can become vulnerable, especially with wakeboarding. Wakeboarding is kind of an awkward, counterintuitive physical sport. So uh, your your brain is trying to protect yourself, and that you know kind of fetal position protection uh, physical stance is actually um, a very weak position in wakeboarding. The opposite is you know more of a lean back, tall hips forward, superhero tall pose is actually better form but it's scary because you're vulnerable uh, at that point. You're a taller lever and you could fall forward on your face way really hard. <laughs> so 
it, it's scary to allow yourself to become vulnerable and, um, and your fear kicks in and, and you get into protection mode. So here's a way that I help my students do it. And you can walk yourself through this exercise as well. Um, you want to strip the risk out of whatever you're afraid of. So find out what, you know, what's the worst case scenario. Um, find out what, what risks there are uh, inherent in that. So for example, with, you know, I'll start with wakeboarding. We'll apply it elsewhere. So with wakeboarding, uh, one of the risks is uh, catching an edge of the board and getting slapped onto your face. You know, anyone who's gone wakeboarding is <laughs> familiar with that. Look it up on YouTube. You'll find a lot of bunch of people falling on their face. It's pretty entertaining. But <laughs> that being said, uh, if you're very vulnerable and at risk to fall and catch your edge and slap forward on your face. So one way we can reduce the risk is by slowing down. So if we slow the boat speed down, uh, if you catch an edge, you just kind of tumble forward and fall forward. Not quite as hard. The impact isn't as hard. It doesn't hurt as bad, all that kind of stuff. Um, also you can try some stuff on land just to practice the, you know, body position, things like that. So we're trying to find out what factors are there are in, are increasing our risk uh, and can we strip those factors away and still make it function so for example if someone's trying to learn a 360 where they do a full 360 degree rotation in the air instead of doing that at full speed jumping both wakes going in the air turning around being vulnerable being backwards that's something that's very uncomfortable for people is spinning uh, with their back facing the direction that they're going when they have to pass the handle behind their back and then finish the rest of the, th the 360 in the air. Uh, a lot of times people get hung up with the part where they have to pass the handle from one hand to the other. And when their, their back is turned toward the boat, they've never been in that position before. It's very risky. So what we do is we slow the boat down uh, considerably, so just fast enough so that your board still stays on top of the water. And then we practice that and just slide the board across the surface and we just pretend that we're in the air and we slide through the 360. Um, and I, you know, break that down into a bunch of smaller pieces, but essentially what I'm doing is I'm reducing dramatically the risk. And what it does is it allows you to reduce the fear. Once you reduce the risk, you reduce the fear and it protects you uh, and allows you to become more vulnerable. And we only learn when we are vulnerable. So that's something that we have to remember is that we're not going to learn if we're never at risk. We're not going to learn if we're never vulnerable. You just don't want to go into something that you could be very much at risk with and become vulnerable in a very risky situation. So if someone's trying a 360 for their first time and they tell the boat to speed up a mile an hour and they go at the wake as hard as they can and try it as hard as they can, they're setting themselves up for a very, very, very risky scenario that would probably result in a, a lot of pain and frustration and failure. Um, and then what would happen is they would then be more afraid of that trick than they were beforehand and they've actually gone backwards. And so now they're more afraid and their form is even more incorrect and they get burned and they now are, are fearful of that. However, if instead we rewire that and we remove those risks and we break it down into smaller bite-sized pieces, then you can allow yourself to be vulnerable. And even if you fail, it's, you know, that fail quick mentality of 
fail cheap, fail quick, and then learn from it and get up and go. So you're in, you're actually trying to, to get past those. You're trying to uncover the failures that are naturally going to happen anyway. So when someone's learning a new trick, um, there are natural, like people are very, very rarely just naturally perfect at everything. There are going to be things that they are going to naturally fail at. Our job as a coach is to expose those failures in a less risky environment. So remove the risk, put yourself in a vulnerable position, and then expose the failure. Once the failure is exposed, it's much easier to cope with because the risk is lower. And then you can actually get excited about failing. You can be like, yes. I mean, I, as a coach, I do that. People think it's weird. When someone falls, I'm like, yes. And they're like, why are you happy I'm falling? I'm like, because we found the thing you're stuck on. And now we know what to work on. And so I can, I can work with them on overcoming that, that little weakness and we make it strong and then we plug it into the bigger picture and then it works. And then they can run at the wake as hard as they can, go as high as they can and do the big 360 they wish they could do and land perfect. Because we reduce the risk, expose the vulnerable areas that failure was already living in, and we flip the switch from failure to success strategically and surgically in, those, in each one of those tricks. And we can do that in anything in our life. So if you're afraid to talk to people, for example, you know, if you're going out there and you have to market your products or services and you're afraid to talk to people, um, start by talking to a friend first and just say, Hey, I don't, I don't care if you want to partake in my products or services. I don't care if you want to buy my thing. I just want to practice this and see how it goes. And so you can, at that point, find out where you feel the most uncomfortable and go towards your discomfort because that is where you're going to learn. And once you conquer that discomfort and turn it into an area that's comfortable, it is now an arrow in your quiver. It is now a tool that you can use. And then you go and you move on into the next thing that you're uncomfortable with. Turn it into something comfortable, add that arrow to your quiver. And again, this is the passion, the persistence. You add it to time and you start uncovering all the failures that you would potentially have had. And then you turn those little failures into, into successes and you add those tiny wins up and they become one giant big win. And then people start looking at you as, man, I could never be like that guy. Look how successful that guy is. You know what I mean? Isn't that amazing that that success is, you know, I've heard it said that it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. We only look at people when they're at the top, at the echelon, uh, or as they're close to the peak, and we aspire to be like them. And then we get into that comparison trap where we go, oh, we can never be like them. And we start talking about our fears. And, And it's just mesmerizing to watch people fail and fail often and then learn from it. Because I love what you said. It is at that point of fear and vulnerability that we learn. And and I love watching and seeing people push right to the edge, no matter what aspect of their life. Uh, do you ever use visualization with, with your clients? I, I love watching one of my favorite pastimes is downhill skiing and watching the World Cup, watching the Olympics. And I love watching... The, the professional skiers prepare to go down and, you know, they've spent the past two days practicing, getting to know, and then right before the time that it counts, 
They're up there visualizing every gate, every turn, every dip, every lift, every jump, so that by the time they get there, see, they just practice it at the top of the run. By the time they get there, just a couple moments later, their body goes, I've already been here. I know what to do. And it's fun. It's fun to watch that process as people, I, I, like, I like how you quoted it to, you know, if, if you have to go do sales, part of that practicing, going and finding a friend and saying, just let me practice on you for a moment. And then when you get outside of that comfort zone, going and talking with a very first prospective client and failing is, is really kind of, it's hard when we're going through it, but it's amazing to watch and to coach people. How do you use visualization in your coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So something I find fascinating is that uh, the subconscious part of our brain and the conscious part of our brain aren't always connected. <laughs> so uh, the thing that lasts is the subconscious part. So we can use the conscious part of our brain to train the subconscious, right? So that's why sometimes working on something for a little bit of time and then sleeping on it, all of a sudden we're better the next day where instead, you know, I can put one hour in one day, sleep on it. And then the hour I put in the next day is way better than if I did two hours in a row. If I compare that second hour to each other, it's really fascinating what our subconscious is able to absorb. So there's a lot of that that I take people through uh, on our conscious brain and, and, I let them think through a trick, for example, and visualize what the landing is going to look like. Envision what it's, what are you going to see? And to keep your eyes open, you'd be surprised how many people do wakeboard tricks and just close their eyes and they wonder why they didn't land it. Um, it's like, well, you couldn't see the landing. <laughs> you should probably open your eyes. So uh, visualizing that, knowing what to look for will really help you. Um, and as you practice that and think through it, so for example, if you think, okay, I'm going to see sky, you know, if you're doing a flip for the first time, I'm going to see sky and then I'm going to see water again. What do I look for when I see the water again? Do I look for the horizon? Do I look for the second wake? What is my reference point? And so I tell people um, when they're doing that, I want them to visualize what the flip's going to look like and what the landing is going to appear like. And when that landing comes, where are you going to look? And if they look in the right spot, um, it will give them a reference point to A, remember, remind them to keep their eyes open, uh, and B, uh, it will help them feel confident and comfortable knowing they're in the right spot when they go to land because you'd be surprised how many people don't land just because they like their legs are linguine. They just go completely limp because they told their brain in their mind, they said, I'm not going to land this. Um, so, uh, and they do it perfect, and they land perfectly on the board, and they just go limp and fall backwards. Um, and uh, it's because in their head, they're not landing it. They, they don't believe that they'll land it. So what they have to do is they have to visualize the spot that they're going to look. And once they see it, it gives them confidence that, Hey, I can land this. And then they actually like resist and land fine. So at first you have to think about that and visualize that thing. Eventually. Now, when I do a flip, I don't even think about where I'm looking. It just, my eyes naturally go there and it just happens. It's, it's, it's no longer a thought. It's now a feeling. So my job as a coach is to get everyone's thoughts to turn into feelings. So I can guide their thoughts. I can't always guide their feelings. So I have to guide what they're thinking about doing, get them to think the right thing so that they feel the right thing. As soon as they feel it and it clicks, they can repeat the feeling. 
And then, you know, as, as our subconscious mind sort of absorbs that feeling, our subconscious will just take over and it will be a habit, right? As soon as I see that spot when I'm going to land, my habit is that I, you know, get in control and, and land comfortable over the board and all the whole thing. So it definitely has a lot to do with, um, at first visualizing going through in theory what it would be like and then thinking through that theory as you're actually doing it, making sure that your idea in your head lines up with reality and make adjustments as it does or doesn't. And then once that works, repeat it enough times until you recognize the feeling and then you don't have to think anymore. You can stop thinking and start feeling. And once you can feel it, then you can start adding a, a grab to a trick or adding an extra 180 to a trick or something because you no longer have to think every single step of the trick. You only are thinking about the vulnerable piece, the next step, the thing you don't have already embedded in your excuse me, in your subconscious as a feeling. So um, it's, it's really, really fascinating when you can start translating those things and absorbing uh, conscious thoughts into turning them into feelings and they build on each other the whole way. Absolutely amazing. I love this. I've learned so much over the past 40 minutes and I'm just really, really thankful for the time that you're spending with us to help us reframe how we look at failure um, and how we look at fear because fear is just there, as you said, to protect us from our vulnerabilities. Um, I love that you talked about passion is integrity fueled by emotions. And, and I love that idea of fail, fail quick, fail often, and learn, and allow ourselves to go through that process. Uh, in closing, Brandon, is there anything else that you wanted to just part with be, before we close this out? First of all, thank you so much for bringing me on. This is really fun. I, again, I love doing things like this. I love trying to influence and, 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 and help people wherever I can. Um, and the other thing would just be to uh, remind people that uh, there's nothing they can't achieve. There really isn't. Um, the big question is whether it's worth it because some things just aren't worth achieving uh, and some things absolutely are worth achieving. And once you know what's worth achieving, then it's worth throwing your passion, your integrity, your emotion, and your time into accomplishing, uh, you know, the thing that you have a goal on. So just don't believe the, you know, the naysayers out there. I, I've given into too many of those in my life. Uh, and, and, uh, had I known what I know now back then, I wouldn't have given it as much thought as I did in the past. So just follow, follow the things that, that is worth your time, energy, and passion and go for it. Oh, I, I love how you said that, you know, stop listening to the naysayers and probably the one that we listen to the most is ourself. Stop giving in to your fear because if, when you finally get to the point that you're, that you're no longer being led by fear, but you're being led by passion, you will find that you can accomplish anything. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today on the Happiness Dude podcast. I've really loved getting to know you a little bit deeper, a little bit uh, more, and I love the inspiration that you provide, not just here, but in the way that you lead your life with others that you come in contact with. Thank you for, your, uh, for how you live and how you serve. 
Thank you, everyone. I hope that you have a fantastic day, and we look forward to hearing again from The Happiness Dude and other great interviews such as today. Thank you for listening to The Happiness Dude podcast, hosted by Dr. Mark Leonard. If you loved learning and being inspired today, make sure you subscribe to The Happiness Dude podcast on iTunes and follow The Happiness Dude on Facebook for all announcements, events, and happiness insights.